2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand and live on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel, where today is December 5th, 2021. Sometimes I forget to remind you of the date, but today I did not. It is December 5th, 2021. And today on the program, we will discuss WWE's new talent recruitment strategy, NIL, or maybe NIL, NIL, who knows? Uh, We will discuss that. Uh, the latest YouTube views information that we have. Google Trends, it's a new month, so a new month has passed. And we have new Google Trends information to update you on. Uh, some live events, news, uh, and then the main event we have. I have, for the first time ever, I can show you not just one data point, not just a few data points out of context, but year-to-date The DV, everyone's asking me about the DVR here and there. They do ask me sometimes, what about, what about the DVR viewership? We have the DVR viewership to discuss and analyze today for all of the major nationally televised wrestling programs across, I have this across all the big, all the demos and the down, and the down ballot demos, all that stuff. Rose to the top has been renewed. uh, And we have a fast affiliate number to talk about for SmackDown. All that today on the program, but first joining us from my immediate south, he is uh, a ring announcer, a uh, a stand-up
3: comedian. Chris Gullo, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me as always, and uh, it's great to be here on this Sunday morning where there's no Buffalo Bills game at all, home or away, because it's tomorrow.
2: No, no, the Bills play the Patriots tomorrow. Are you a big Patriots fan?
3: <laughs> I, big, I think it's safe to say I am not. you <laughs> a big
2: Bill Belichick fan. And his hoodie, his cut-off sleeves, his angry face.
3: It's the evil empire, they're called. Mm -hmm.
2: Anyway, I don't know. What do you want to talk about today?
3: Well, I kind of want to get right into it here. And the uh, NIL, N-I-L, and kind of give a little background uh, of that, Brandon. The NCAA name, image, and likeness rule. Are you familiar with this already,
2: ahead of time? I'm not that familiar with that. I was hoping that you would be.
3: I'm I'm very familiar with those. Yes. This has been something that has been debated about and fought for years. Um, And it's almost like a compromise. Because the big push was, well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain what it is and I'll, I'll kind of give a little background. So the NCAA approves name, image, and likeness policy. So on June 30th, 2021, the Division One Board of Directors approved an interim name, image, and likeness policy. This new policy will allow NC, all NCAA D1, D2, and D3 student-athletes to be compensated for their NIL as of July 1st, 2021, regardless of whether their state has an NIL law in place or not. Now, the NCAA NIL rules do not override state, college, university, or conference-specific NIL rules. This means student-athletes need to review the NIL NIL rules with their state where their school is located and check with the athletic department for any school and conference-specific rules to understand what limitations they will have on their NIL. Now, college student-athletes competing in states without NIL law will have the freedom to receive compensation for their NIL, however they see fit, as long as they do not violate pay for play or receive financial incentives to sign or remain with a program. Um, So this is a compromise for just to give a little background on this. It has been debated for years. Should college athletes be paid? Mm -hmm. And what what is the argument for and against
2: What what are these, these
3: competing viewpoints? So, a lot of people say, well, hey, the tuition is pay, the opportunity to be seen on national television to possibly become a professional. <laughs> you're getting and an education for free. Yes, you're getting an education for free and all that. that, that that's the big thing. Um, but the counterpoint is, is that these schools are making and this is where it gets a little rustonomics too. These schools are making millions of dollars off TV rights sharing with the conferences and all that and nothing is going to those student athletes it's it's paying head coaches obscene salaries i mean head coaches in college football make more in the nfl um but yeah so that's been the big debate so this is almost a compromise where student athletes can receive some type of compensation while they are still attending college and playing sports without the schools being accountable for it so where this comes into effect is car dealerships Autograph signings, convention appearances, stuff like that. Like now, we in video games, which that was a that's what started a lot of this. Was Ed O'Bannon suing the NCAA because they used his likeness in a college basketball game, but they didn't. He was like UCLA forward number whatever, but he's like, that's me. That's my likeness. I want money. Uh huh. So,
2: so, this is a way for college athletes to make money. Not from the college that they go to and that they play for. Tell me if I'm wrong here. But yeah, they can get sponsorship deals and they can get compensated for their name, image, and likeness being used. Is that
3: correct? Yes. Okay. So this is a way they can receive income. So if I'm a quarterback at Oklahoma University, I can go do a commercial for Jim Bob's car dealership and make whatever Jim Bob's going to give me.
2: Okay. Jim Bob, does he pay well? Um, (laughs) How does this relate to WWE?
3: Well, we'll kind of get into it here. On Thursday, December 2nd, WWE today announced the launch of a groundbreaking name, image, and likeness program that will provide a clear pathway from college athletics to WWE. Following a historic new policy by the NCAA effective July 1st, 2021, which ushered in the NIL era, allowing college athletes the ability to monetize their name, image, and likeness. WWE has constructed a comprehensive program to recruit and develop potential future superstars. Dubbed Next in Line, the NIL program aims to enhance the talent development process through collaborative partnerships with college athletes from diverse athletic backgrounds.
2: So, there, NIL in the normal. Context here that we're talking about refers to name, image, and likeness, but WB, being WB, has to rebrand it into um to what again? Next in line.
3: And I'm glad we had we're getting clarification on this because I was very confused about it when Gable Stevenson was signed under it. Yeah, the so, fact that he was on WWE contract was still allowed to be at the Minnesota Golden Gophers for another year.
2: Yeah. So how do how do you see this as clarifying that?
3: Well, I think this next part we're going to talk about.
2: Okay, in the next part
3: might page. clarify it a little bit, a little bit. <clears throat> so this next part here, uh, the WB NIL program has the potential to be transformational for our business, said Paul Levesque. WWE Executive Vice President, Global Talent Strategy and Development. By creating partnerships with elite athletes at all levels across a wide variety of college sports, we will dramatically expand our pool of talent and create a system that readies NCAA competitors for WB once their collegiate careers come to a close. All athletic partnerships will f- feature access to the state-of-the-art WB Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, in addition to the resources across the organization, including brand building, media training, communications, live event promotion, creative reigning and community relations. Upon completion of the NIL program, select athletes may earn an exclusive opportunity to be offered a WWE contract. In September, WWE announced its first NIL deal with heavyweight freestyle wrestler Gable Stevenson, who captured a gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. The agreement allowed Stevenson to return to the University of Minnesota for a senior season where he is defending the NCAA National Championships while beginning his superstar training with WWE. WWE will unveil the first class of NIL partnerships in the next couple of weeks. So um, we'll get a couple things. I So what I, what I'm taking from this and I'll let you kind of see what you're taking. What I'm taking this, this is almost like a, are you familiar with holding deals, Brandon?
2: No. What's a holding deal.
3: So holding deal is something that happens in media, a lot media properties. And here we are, we got Nick Khan, the man of media, <laughs> major networks like NBC, CBS, Fox, will sign comedians, actors, actresses to what they call holding deals. So I'm going to pay you so much a year for three years to just keep the rights of you so when we eventually develop a program for you, then we will sign a further contract and and work all that out. So you can't sign with Fox or NBC if you're under a CBS holding deal and they're going to develop a sitcom for you, whatever it is. This is, I think this is a similar thing where, hey, we're going to put you in this program. And then it seems like they would sign him to holding deals like Gavin Stielson is, is like, so you're allowed to, because when you're like a comedian, actor, actresses, you could pursue other work. You just can't sign a deal with like those other networks. So mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we're going to give you a holding deal. You can go still do college sports, do whatever you do, but you're coming to WWE instead of going to whatever, maybe professional sport you're going to try and stuff like that. That's kind of what I take from it. I could be wrong, but that's kind of what I understand it from to be.
2: And I wonder what the commitment is as far as like, there's, if they make deals with many people under this, this, you know, uh, whatever it is, policy or uh, whatever it is, there's probably going to be people, be people who never end up doing much with WWE. So I wonder what, what they're, paying to hold on to these people relative to what they would pay them when they become active wrestlers for them but um, yeah um, it's very much in line with the new NXT the things that are apparent from NXT 2.0 and a lot of the talent releases Um, by the way how will uh, independent wrestlers benefit from the NIL the next in line thing
3: um. Well, not. At a, they won't benefit on a WWE level. They'll. They'll now know that maybe they should pursue other avenues. <laughs> yes,
2: as Jr. would always say, "You gotta have a plan B." Um, but I think it's uh, I'm. I'm intrigued to see who WWE signs going forward. Um, I really think that they are. I will be surprised if WWE signs much of any independent wrestling talent uh, for the foreseeable future. Things can always change, and the pendulum can always swing back. Um, they, they were clearly in the mid-2000s. They had a philosophy more in line with this current philosophy. And then the pendulum swung back to the, to the other extreme in the mid 2010s uh, under Triple H. And now it's swinging back in that that other direction of valuing uh, athletes and people who don't have a, a wrestling background, a pro wrestling background to begin with. Obviously, Gable Stevenson has an amateur wrestling background. Um, but I will be surprised if... We haven't seen any signings of wrestlers since NXT 2.0 was launched in, in September, right? We're now in early December W has been signing before. This has been signing people pretty rapidly. Um, what's the next W performance center class look like? Is it just all people like this who are signed through this program? Um, it's in line with something that's probably an easy sell to Vince and something that seems to, uh, be compatible with Nick Khan's background as a, as a talent agent. Um, and it's so. What I mean by the, the Vince part is that this creates a world in which WWE is is above wrestling. Um, but I'll be surprised to see if any independent wrestling talent gets signed by WWE going forward. Uh, so, is all that talent just going to be available to to AEW and to everybody else in, in the wrestling industry? I could see WWE signing some wrestlers. Who don't have a, don't have much of any indie buzz, but they have the attributes that this version of W developmental values, that is being tall and maybe having a, a an athletic background as well. Um it'll be
3: interesting. I think the second generation stuff is still a factor. We see it with Von Wagner and Braun Breaker. Who's Von
2: and, Wagner related to?
3: That's that's a Wayne Bloom's kid. Oh, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, str- the, I'm trying to think of his name, the guy that teams with Josh Briggs, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now, uh, Bolby Cannon's kid. Okay. So
2: maybe WWE should introduce a program where, uh, current talent can sign away the rights of their descendants for the foreseeable future. Maybe something they want to look into. Um, uh, but uh, also, uh, notable here is that triple H. Triple H. Uh, I don't know if I would call this a public appearance, but these are public comments for the first time since his cardiac event, since the, the, the downfall of black and gold NXT. Uh, but he also gave some comments to the outlet fast company, uh, which was covering this WB nil. Is it, is it nil or NIL? We've only seen this in print, not in audio.
3: I hope it's NIL. (laughs) Um, uh, so, yeah, so uh, Paul of WWE's executive vice uh, president of Global Talent Strategy and Development, elaborated on the company's program while speaking to Fast Company. I'm not sure. Do you want me to read the quotations there? are in black. You can so. read it.
2: It's, it's it's They're in black because these are quotations okay. to differentiate so, them.
3: We immediately saw it as an amazing recruiting tool for us because it allows us to show athletes a path to WWE and engage with them in a way where they can learn more about it we can learn more about them, all while working together and finding out if it's a good fit before they're even finished college or before they need to make any decisions about what they're going to do in the next stage of their life. Lavek pointed out the early results of the NIL policy and mentioned the recruitment of Isaiah uh, Agbusan, who was a shot putter at the University of Alabama, who was part of a tryout earlier this year. When we were done with the tryout, I was like, great, let's bring this kid in now. But it turned out he was still in school. That happened right around the NIL, so we put a deal together, and he'll be way ahead of the curve because he'll be working on a lot of stuff while he's in school. Levesque also mentioned the level of deals that the company will be offering is a range that would vary the among the achievement levels of different athletes. The deals might range from the lower end, which would still help them make ends meet while at school. Of course, if you're bringing in an Olympic gold medal to the table, it's a different conversation. Mm-hmm.
2: This is uh, just quickly to put uh, Isaac. Oh, boy, how do you say his last name? Isaac uh yeah, Anyway, I guessed it. <laughs> anyway, here here's uh Isaac in his uh W Las Vegas tryout uh t-shirt. So apparently he's he's a big shot putter
3: who has been signed by WWE. Um yeah, moving on. Uh all right. So, um well th- that is the last on quotes there. So I I do want to bring up a couple questions regarding this. First off, is this Triple H's new project? And second off, it seems like this is going to be very focused on second tier athletes. And I don't mean that in, I don't try to mean that in a negative context, but we're talking sports like amateur wrestling, shot putting, maybe track and field sports that don't have a professional, Mm -hmm. like a major league, like contract possibility. Right. Yeah. I think you're still going to have a football player go, "Uh, let me see if I can make a training camp or let me see if I get drafted. And then think about going to W. I think it's going to be hard for them to get like football players and and basketball players for sure.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I'm sure they're, that's the way they feel about it and that they, they know what they're, they're doing as far as that football players who can be professional football players are going to want to be professional football players. If that's viable for them. Um, And and we'll probably continue to see the Baron Corbins of the world who, uh, you know, who wash out of an NFL team and and come to WB. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I it's this is uh shaping up to be kind of what we thought it would in that WB is going to be a land of athletes and people with other maybe professional backgrounds. Um it's like this, this interesting to see and I guess there there were some signings out of the Las Vegas tryout and I should look into who they signed. Uh, sounds like mostly men though i i want obviously there are you know women who are college athletes that they could sign here too but then again if we if we're talking about um professional leagues there aren't as as many professional sports opportunities for women i suppose um so maybe there's even more availability here right, we'll we'll see how it plays out uh i'm interested to see if if any independent talent gets signed by W going forward. When I say independent talent, I mean independent wrestling talent, Um, anybody with a pro wrestling background. Um, And if not, if that's really what they do and they sort of double down on this notion that they're not wrestling and that they would prefer even uh, talent that don't have wrestling experience because they wouldn't have to unteach them bad habits or they could just totally indoctrinate them into into their way of doing the business. um, Is that a good idea? something that I, I meant to put in the slides here, but I didn't. Um, Roman Reigns has made comments um, to the effect of, I think he was, was he on Jimmy Fallon or something like that? He, he's made a few yeah. comments. Some, some of them have been sort of hinting to it on, on air too, on SmackDown, that, you know, it that, that maybe an acting career is on the horizon for him and who knows how long he'll be with WWE going forward. Um, like, I don't, I don't think Roman Reigns is going to leave WWE anytime soon, but we may be coming to the the point where he's, he's roughly my age. He's like 36 or something like that. And, uh, so he's not in his twenties and, uh, he's by far the biggest star for WWE. Who's a full timer. Um, Google trends that we'll talk about later support that, uh, by a wide margin ahead of everybody else. Um, he's not somebody who had an independent wrestling background. Certainly he is from a wrestling family though. Um, he had a football background. So, I guess my point is, if if Roman Reigns were to leave and go the way of John Cena and The Rock, the star power would be lessened for this company. I sort of of see Roman Reigns as somebody who's not as big of a star as John Cena was at his peak as a full-timer, but still WWE's biggest full-time star by far. And it's 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 in some ways you could call Roman Reigns their last star. I, I wonder if we're going to see a, a WWE in future in the future in the future years, especially if Vince McMahon continues to to do well with his health and continues to be the head of creative. I feel like if Roman Reigns leaves WWE, they're in an even more vulnerable position. But then again. How much does Roman Reigns really add to W's economic picture when you take him out? They they did take him out, or he he sat out for all of March 2020 through August 2020. Ratings did go down quite a bit, so maybe maybe his absence did have a negative effect, and the Thunderdome and Roman Reigns coming back had a positive effect to TV ratings. Then again, they also had a positive effect to Raw, which he didn't appear on. So it's a cloudy picture as to whether... To what degree Roman Reigns is really important to their economic picture and, uh, and whether or not WWE will, will be more vulnerable or their business will be more weakened
3: without him around. I just want to point out too, John Cena was about thirty eight, thirty nine when he was starting to appear in a lot of mainstream movies. I'm not counting the Marine any of that stuff. Like yeah. when he was doing Blockers and Trainwreck and movies like that, it was around 2014, 2015.
2: So, yeah, I guess what what the situation that to to be totally pessimistic. Uh, so this is not what I believe is going to happen, or not what I'm predicting. But I could, you know, the worst case scenario here is. WWE takes all of its focus off of talent with a pro wrestling background, seeds all of that talent to, to AEW or it's any of its other, any of its, I don't want to say competitors, but other wrestling companies, um, doesn't create new stars, doesn't have the creative leadership and vision to effectively create new stars. Roman Reigns goes off to, to the movies and becomes a part-timer, just like everybody else has who's, you know, whether it's John Cena or or Brock Lesnar, the Undertaker, et cetera, you know, shows up for a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. And uh, they have a lot of talents who are, you know, who are great college athletes, but are not necessarily well equipped to be pro wrestlers, probably big wrestling fans, but not necessarily, uh, you know, highly experienced and well suited to be excellent pro wrestlers on the, on the highest stage while ceding all that talent to, to others, including AEW, uh, who continues to, we'll get into this later, but gain ground with a, a wide margin, uh, between AEW and WB, but continues to compete, uh, in more and more noticeable ways. While while w b perhaps loses value and doesn't have the the talent to to replenish uh, its talent pool and to continue to become a powerful and popular brand, a pessimistic view
3: We do have a couple of questions from m j in the chat. I think are good question is is do you see w b never wanting to have another single star and go with everyone at the same level of mediocrity while the brand tramps all trumps all, sorry. <laughs> Uh, And then he had a follow-up question, too, with that. Every single star they create has diminishing returns with getting over, so why keep running this playbook?
2: Well, I I don't think WB or Vince consciously – I think, yes, they they consciously want the brand to be extremely strong, and to their credit, they succeeded at that. But I don't buy this idea that they don't want anybody to get over. They just want the brand to be the star. I think Vince McMahon has put tremendous energy into trying to make Roman Reigns – a, a massive star. Um, I think the last five years of their TV program show that um, they would like Roman Reigns to be a much bigger star and a much more popular star. And, and many of their economic uh, levers would be, would be doing better because of it. they would be a better merchandise seller. People would be more apt to watch the TV program. People would be more apt to subscribe to the W network or to Peacock. Um, they would have, have better TV ratings and perhaps they'd be able to negotiate even better TV deals. So, while they do have a weird relationship with their talent in terms of the, they don't seem to want to let their talent have too much control. Don't get a Twitch. Don't do a cameo. We want that to be through us and we want to control everything that you do. It's in your contract. But, but they, I don't, I, but I do think Vince wants to create stars. He just, uh, you know, there's a lot of insecurities and, and weird things about what Vince wants and how Vince, Vince wants you to get over it in the way that, that, he wants to get over, not in some other way that the crowd decides. So uh, this, among other things, compromises their ability to cultivate stars who are very popular and can drive economics. Um, But I, but I agree with um, something else that MJ said is, is about lowering the talent costs too. I don't think they want to. Uh, I think we don't have any real numbers about this, but my belief is that the cost of talent per talent has gone up over the last few years uh, since AEW has gotten involved. Um, so I think part of this this strategy, part of the, one of the factors here is that let's not compete for this talent with AEW and other players in the wrestling world. Wrestling is dumb anyway. We're not wrestling. We're, we're sports entertainment and media. We're going to go with this other section of talent that they're not going to compete for. And then we won't be competing over the same people and, and bidding up the cost of talent. So it's... and. In their own subjective world, it makes sense because Vince ends up not liking those kinds of people anyway. They're just, you know, short people who who ended up being in their 30s by the time they get to Vince anyway. So, you know, he wants big, big athletes uh, that he can shape and he can take all the credit for. Um, He can be the one who created them and they and people can't point to success that they had uh, along similar lines in a similar business where where they can say, well, really, he was... You know or she was cultivated over here even if it's in NXt with triple H I think it's it's important to Vince's personal psychology that he's able to take the credit for being the one who made this talent
3: um Matthew Schroeder brings up a question since nXt's inception many wrestlers are were called I, recall, I mean, how many wrestlers uh that were called I mean were called homegrown talent I don't think many uh he says what might they say about the Nll NIL projects, so I'm assuming that's where they're going to really go homegrown. This is a WWE never been anywhere else, you know. Matt,
2: Matt Schroeder and I have done a little bit of studying on that, and it's um, it's a few people. It's people that come to mind as like um Baron Corbin, Charlotte Flair, Nia Jax, who's now released. Those are the f- uh, Alexa Bliss, Braun um, Strowman, Braun Strowman, who didn't do hardly anything in NXT, at least as far as on TV. Um, and Braun Strowman is no longer with the company. Bray Wyatt, who's no longer with the company, Rusev, who's no longer with the company. These are the names that come yeah. to mind. Yeah, I don't.
3: I don't think they ever really dwelled on Bailey and Sasha Banks' independent wrestling past either. I think they kind of took credit for them as well. Same with Becky Lynch, all had all had experience, but
2: yeah. it's um yeah, it's very much not not zeros and ones. It's um there are there are some people who had. A really short indie run, and then ended up in WB. Like like Sasha Banks, then you know she had a pretty short indie run. Uh, Bailey had more of an indie run. Um, yeah, it's uh, every, everybody's a little bit different. When when we've studied this in the past, I tried to use cage match match counts, which I know are not perfect and not a complete record of all wrestling ever. Um, but I tried to 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 look at like before you made it to the main roster and all the time before you were promoted to the main roster, however we define that, which is a whole other problem. But before that time, what made up the majority of your match count? Was it matches in NXT or other developmental that was the WWE system, or was it outside of WWE activity? And, and you know, there are some people who have zero pre-WWE experience, and then and then there are others who are anywhere in between. Um, so, yeah. but But there are not that many cases in the last... Five years or so of wrestlers who who fit who fit the uh, who fit the the categorization of, of somebody you could really call pure and homegrown, but there are some Alexa Bliss, Flair, Charlotte Flair, Baron Corbin, Nia Braun Strowman. I suppose Bray Wyatt, though Bray Wyatt was with the company before the PC was built, but yeah, and certainly
3: I'm, who I'm are forgetting. Roman Reigns and Big E too, right? They're yeah. early NXT. It, yeah.
2: it depends on when you want to start the clock here. I mean, they, they were they were. Yeah. Often when when I have this discussion, we kind of start the clock around July 2013 because that's when the PC opened. And But those are definitely examples of wrestlers who didn't have much, if any, experience in wrestling before they came to WWE, Biggie and, and Roman Reigns.
3: I'll ponder this question before we move on. Is Roman Reigns really the prototype of a Vince McMahon wrestler? Think about it. He's tall. He yes. played college football. Yes. He's a second-generation wrestler. Like, yes.
2: Look at his hair.
3: Oh, <laughs> look at him. <laughs> Let's see here. All right. We're we're going to move on to some YouTube uh, uh, data here. And you've actually uh, been tracking uh, the views, uh, Brandon, for the last week as far as YouTube videos that came out between WWE and AEW and where they stack up. So this
2: is just the last seven days. We might do this on a recurring basis, but let's just – here here's an example. Um, these are the 20 videos on the WWE and AEW YouTube channels that after 16 hours – had the most views. Uh, The top six slots are all WWE videos. The number one uh, by far, almost doubling the next video, is Brock Lesnar attacking Sami Zayn to face Roman Reigns from SmackDown this past Friday. Um, After that, we've got the the top 10 highlights of um, SmackDown, the Miz and Maurice angle with Edge, the top 10 moments of Raw, another angle between Brock Lesnar and Sami Zayn, which is probably the the angle that opened the show on SmackDown. The other one being the one that, that ranked number one being probably the the angle that happened later in the show. I did kind of watch SmackDown uh, this past Friday. Number six is uh, Team Liv versus Team Becky Lynch. And then number seven, we have the first AEW video with just over half a million views after 16 hours, which is Cody Rhodes setting himself on fire for the business uh, in the street fight from this past Wednesday's Dynamite. Um, People watching the video can see the rest of them. We don't need to go through all twenty, uh, but this is something I'm working on. Um, I did uh, get some feedback from Matt, uh, so I'm going to. I've I've rewritten. So my my idea, if you can't tell, was to, to every, for for once the video has been online for 16 hours, so everybody has the same amount of time. Each video has the same amount of time to collect views, look at it, so everybody's kind of uh, in, in a fair. Position relative to everybody else here um it, it looks like it's the case though that after seven days that's where the view counts for youtube views really bottoms out so what i'm going to try to do and i've written a script that's that's doing this on a recurring basis right now every eight hours is collecting the the view count for every video that shows up on w and aw's youtube channel so every eight hours for the following seven days it will record the view count so we will collect this data the great thing about data is that once once you uh, once you allow time to pass lots and lots of data gets collected so we'll we'll look at this it'll take at least one week to get a to get a good look at what this other way of collecting data uh, will provide us with but uh you know you can, it's kind of like DVR viewership right and which we're we're, we're going to talk about Maybe we should talk about it next because we've hyped this up so much. Uh so you know, a lot of the viewership happens very quickly, just like on TV, but then it, there's still viewership being collected for about seven days or so. So yeah. We'll 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 see. I'm uh, you know, one one of the great things about the internet is there's lots of public data out here. Data that is not even meant to be data, but um If if we can create automated ways to uh, collect this data, we can hopefully
3: get some some meaningful insights. All right. Yeah. Well. uh, Yeah. If you want, let's do that, Brandon. Let's actually go to. uh, We'll skip. We'll go back to. Like, we'll do Google Trends after this. But yeah, let's go to the DVR because it's we have them now. We have DVR numbers. And what story did it tell?
2: It's like this is like um, an old school Madison Square Garden event where we put Hulk Hogan on in the middle. So we're going to use just to lay out some terminology here and some jargon here uh, so everybody knows what we're talking about. We're going to talk about two, at least two different kinds of matches. We're going to talk about this over the various demographics that people may be familiar with, but mainly we're just going to focus on total viewership and 18 to 49. Um, But just so everybody's clear on the terminology that we're using here, you're going to see here and hear us say live plus same day a lot. Live plus same day is just the viewership that you're used to hearing about that I talk about all the time. It's the viewership that is counted by, uh, by Nielsen and reported by Showbiz Daily or by me as this is this is what the viewership was last night. That's the regular old fashioned viewership, live plus same day. If you're watching on video, you'll see it abbreviated as live plus, or I'm sorry, L plus SD, L plus SD. You'll see that on the screen, and then there's the DVR viewership, which we'll, we'll be referring to as live plus seven day. This is all of the viewership, the live plus same day viewership, plus all of the DVR slash delayed viewing for the following seven days. So all the DVR, the DVR viewership is the live plus seven. Uh, that's all of it added up. Not the difference that was added, but all of it together. Um, we will talk about what what DVR viewership is though in terms of a percent which is what we're going to do right now. Um so here I have we're going to talk about total viewership first and then we will talk about the demo. Um so this is total viewership on the screen right now. Uh for what is the percentage of the total viewership that is DVR viewership over 7 days. So we, we have a pretty good idea of what live plus same-day viewership is. SmackDown is the most viewed wrestling program on television. After that, it's Raw by, by a thin margin. After that, it's Dynamite. After that, it's usually NXT lately. And then after that, it's it's Rampage, although, and, although Rampage does much better in the demo than NXT does. And then well below all of those is, is Impact. Um, so here I have it averaged by month. And what we see is AEW, this is the main takeaway I have here, is that AEW programs generally have more DVR viewership by percentage than WWE programs do. In the case of Dynamite, uh, before the Wednesday Night War ended in April, their DVR viewership percentage was higher, and it's diminished somewhat, but still in this... um, November, the November row that you're seeing here is not a complete month. Uh, there's at least one data point still to come, but let's look at October, the most recently completed full month that we have data for 18% was their DVR plus seven viewership. Whereas, uh, NXT was 13%. Raw was 16%. SmackDown was 14%. Uh, but you can understand why during the Wednesday Night War it might have been higher because some people may have been choosing to watch NXT live rather than Dynamite. And then maybe we're catching up on Dynamite later on DVR. Uh, in the case of Rampage, uh, it's it's quite high. In August, it was 32%. In September, it was 39%. In October, it was 47%. Almost half of the viewership in October of Rampage was via DVR. Um, <laughs> and then so it far... So far in November, it's thirty one. And why does it make sense, Chris Cola? It's a late night program.
3: It's a late show. Friday, Friday at ten. You know, I mean, yeah. People are probably watching Saturday morning. I've watched it Saturday morning. There you go.
2: Um, yeah. I'm I'm not sure. By the way, I'm sure people are, are wondering. I'm not I'm not quite sure how all this, what kind of viewership may be counted as, as DVR through through the we, we imagine surely through the the traditional DVR top box this is being counted but if you watch it later through some sort of app or i would watch it through sling where i have all these programs recorded through sling that's probably being counted if at least if i'm a nielsen home it would be um but yeah um impact i i don't we're probably only going to talk about impact in terms of total viewership i do have all the demos for impact but i feel like it's so volatile with all the other demos because it's not the the total audience so we're dealing with a very small sample and i feel like there's a lot of artificial volatility here but anyway uh we we do see something that appears to be consistent with with impact which is you know 20 percent or a quarter sometimes as much as a third of their viewership is dvr so uh in October, it was 21%. In July, it was as high as 34%. So, Impact's percentage of delayed viewing is higher than even Dynamite's is lately. Not as high as Rampage with its late-night time slot, but higher than than Dynamite and higher than any of the WWE programs. Um, interesting in the case of NXT that uh, their DVR viewership in the... Uh, I only have this year to date, so I don't have this going back before January 1st, 2021. Um, But during the Wednesday Night War, which was of this year, January, February, March, and half of April, um, NXT had a lower percentage of DVR viewership. I haven't put a lot of thought into how to read that, um, but I guess people who uh, were watching... Dynamite is one way to read it. People who are watching Dynamite Live instead of NXT, maybe we're not making as much of a point to watch NXT later on delayed viewing. Uh that so so just to read the numbers. In January, nineteen percent, in February, eighteen percent, in March, nineteen percent. It does go down a little bit uh in April to sixteen in May to fifteen percent. goes up in June to nineteen, and it's been between uh 10 percent and 15 percent after that um so quite low in the incomplete month of november it's at 10 percent which is the lowest in that month of any of these six programs i could infer a narrative on that of you know people are not making sure that they're not missing the program uh it's kind of similar. It's very it's very comparable percentage actually to, to SmackDown. If you look at SmackDown here, which is on the screen right now. Where SmackDown's D V R uh percentage of viewership was eleven percent uh so far in November. Again, we're missing one or two weeks out of November. But Smackdown is under twenty percent in all of the months so far of twenty twenty one. Uh Raw also under twenty percent, but closer to twenty percent. Uh more so in the high teens, more so in the teens, whereas SmackDown is more along the lines of 15%. This is total viewership. And by the way, just to visualize this, this is taking all of those monthly averages and putting them on a line graph here, if you're looking at this on video. And you see Rampage just in a different universe as far as DVR viewership uh, by percentage. Um, So there's that. We we should be able to talk about... um, how how this looks like in terms of actual viewership um as, as i'm being texted about uh, absolute numbers we will, we'll we'll look at that uh, in a moment um <clears throat> so just to look quickly at the key demo is there a big difference in the demo between these uh, these i've got these two tables here uh this in, with the green heading is the is the demo where I don't know. Dynamite is 22% in, in November it's 19%. Um, so I, I don't see huge differences here between the demo and total viewership. Um, maybe we would find them if we looked more closely. Um, so, and these are the two line graphs I took, uh, I, I I took impact off of here because it was all over the place. Um, so we're not looking at impact in in the demo. Um, but this is, uh, this is the line graph for the demo again rampage in another universe here dynamite usually above the rest but in some in in uh september and october was much more comparable to raw and smackdown uh nxt in this 2.0 era after you know september and afterward is sliding below the rest and it's not as pronounced in total viewership right where it's very much more in line with smackdown nxt is when we just look at total viewership um so, let's see here. These are the actual numbers of the most recent weeks. So, we uh, we are, you'll see here, we have blanks here for the final week of November. Not for Dynamite, actually, though. But uh, it's just the, sort of the way the dates go. So, <clears throat> these are the actual numbers. I don't know what we're really going to say about them real quick here, uh, other than recite uh, numbers. What I should do is... I should write a report about this and put it up for patrons, share some of this inf- information publicly on Twitter as well. Uh, so I'll plan on doing that. Uh, if not later today, uh, maybe tomorrow. Um, Cause I don't, I don't just want to get into, into audio here or video where I'm just reading a bunch of numbers. Um, but that's, this is uh, what we're looking at here is dynamite raw and SmackDown. And then over here is NXT and rampage. Um, some things that did jump out to me when I was looking at this, Though is we have we have TV rating scandal here. <clears throat> uh, Chris Colas as an AEW shill has been trying to suppress this this news for months, <clears throat> but we've we've uncovered it now. So the games are over, Chris Cola. So as yeah, people may all know, the people in the Facebook groups <laughs> called me an AEW shill and AEW mark. So as so. people may know, dynamite dynamite has never come close, really, to, to RAW in total viewership. But there are two occasions, two occasions, where Dynamite essentially tied, slightly, slightly exceeded Raw in the demo of 18-49. Those weeks were the first two weeks of September Uh, for Raw. They were the first two weeks of September. Uh, Raw was going up against college football before the NFL season started in the first week of September. Uh, And then in the second week, it was going against the first night of Monday Night Football of the season. And in those... In those weeks... um, Live plus same day was 681,000 for Dynamite. 678,000. So 3,000 higher for Dynamite that week. Um, And then... 574,000 for Dynamite in the following week. 556,000 for Raw. uh, On the Monday before it. So but so so dynamite beat raw live plus same day my phone my phone is blowing up with texts here as i'm as i'm as i'm uh, revealing this information <laughs> uh so sorry if i sound distracted but if we go to the DVR viewership uh and it kind of makes sense right maybe you were watching the football game and then you were catching up on raw later raw uh on that first week of september actually it was for uh, It was August 30th uh, for Raw, and it was September 1st for Dynamite. So this is the the Dynamite, this is the week before the all-out pay-per-view, before Danielson and Adam Cole debuted. With the DVR viewership, um, Raw did, let's highlight the row that I'm talking about here, Raw did 799 viewers in delayed viewing, and Dynamite did 771 so again, live plus same day, Dynamite beat them by 3,000 viewers. But when you add in the DVR viewership, uh, Raw beat it by, what is this? 8 plus 10 plus 9, whatever 70, 799 minus 771,000 is. So by several thousand, by a couple dozen thousand viewers, small margin. But by a margin, Raw did in fact beat Dynamite when you count the delayed viewing. And then, the following week, when, again, Dynamite edged out Raw by, what is this, 8,000 viewers? If you add in the DVR viewership, they were tied! 692,000 viewers in the key demo. So, live plus same day, yes, Dynamite has beaten Raw twice. Live plus seven, though. Live plus seven. Raw has still never uh I don't maybe maybe uh before 2021, maybe in December. <clears throat> it, it's, it's different. I I don't know what happened in December. I don't have all that data for pre-2021. If anyone who has a Nielsen subscription or has that data would like to share it with me, feel free. Um, but Raw in 2021 has never been beaten by Dynamite when you count DVR plus seven. So there's that.
0: At Parker
2: Uh, I think we kind of uh, touched on this. That yes, Dynamite DVR viewership by percentage did did go down after the end of the Wednesday Night War, um, and then during the preemptions, I thought this was remarkable too. Um, how much DVR viewing was happening when raw? Well, I'm sorry, when um Dynamite was preempted uh, out of its normal time slot? So that would be we can filter this out, and I'll make this bigger in a moment so that people can actually see it. <clears throat> So these are all of the preemptions for for every show so far that has been preempted so far this year. And we'll look at total viewership first. Oh, dear. Let's see. Uh, So if we look at the delayed viewing, which is this, this column right here, this is that time between late May and late June when... Oh, we gotta we gotta look at a different uh, way of displaying this here, so you can see all that. There we go. So when when AEW Dynamite was preempted because of the NBA playoffs, right in uh, late May and throughout June, yeah. um, their DVR viewership by percentage was in most cases more than half of the total total viewership. Fifty eight percent, seventy five percent, sixty two percent. 63%, I'm reading numbers, Is the best part of, of Wrestleomics, and then in the last week was, was just 46%. So that, that brought their, their total viewership, which measured live plus same day at, you know, half a million viewers. Uh, the last week, which was the Saturday night, not the Friday night. By the way, this, was, this is where they were being moved to Friday at 10, and the last week of that string of preemptions, they were moved to Saturday at 8, where the viewership performed better because it was in prime time. So it was probably a better time slot. But anyway, they were doing about a half a million viewers in those Friday night preemptions, sort of testing out the Rampage time slot. If you add in the DVR viewership, they, they did, you know, in, in most cases, uh, over 800,000 viewers or very close to 800,000 viewers in, in the case of this one example from, uh, from June 11th. So it, suffice to say they did numbers that were close to what their live plus same day numbers were at the time in their normal time slot. Not what they would be doing with, with DVR viewership in those normal time slot weeks, but, cl- but close to what they had been doing live plus same day when you added in the, uh, the delayed viewing. Um, and these percentages are, are much higher than what NXT did when it was preempted to Sci-Fi, which was just its sort of normal 15% or so uh, higher than what SmackDown did when it was preempted to FS1 uh, on the two occasions that it was preempted to FS one where it did 15% and 7% DVR viewing. Um, and then again, when dynamite was preempted to Saturday, why was it preempted again? Because of hockey, right? Because of the, the, the first hockey games. Is that, that what's that?
3: But you know, I, I believe so. If I remember
2: correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 29% in the first week on October 16th and then 60% on the second week. Uh, totaling both of those numbers to over 900,000 viewers. Um, so there's that. Uh, if we, I imagine we will see something similar if we look at the demo where it's well over 50% in the string of spring preemptions. Uh, NXT is higher than it was in total viewership in the demo with 22, 30, 33% in it's sci-fi preemptions, 26% and 13% for SmackDowns to FS1 preemptions, and then 31% and then a much higher 67% for the, for the October preemptions. Uh, there's that. Um, okay. I, I I have all of this data going all across all the demos, which is just a ton, a ton of data. Um so there's that uh, to, to quickly look at median age, median age does not change that much. Um, when including the DVR viewership, it barely changes is what I took away. Um, so there's that. Yeah. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts or questions to share there. Um, if you want to make people really mad, I can show you oh, this, this graph. I've, I've taken it away apparently, but I think I can put these, these data points back on maybe, maybe, maybe not anyway this is this is what the what the graph looks like for um total viewership when we include in the dotted line here the plus seven viewership uh where even when adding in the dvr plus seven viewership for dynamite across all of this time year to date it doesn't quite approach the live plus same day total viewership for raw uh it's kind of trivial but If we looked at this in terms of 18 to 49, it's a big mess of of overlap. Um, But raw still is above and in one case equal to raw, never below, uh, raw, never below dynamite. Anyway, at least in
3: 2021. Um, I'm very excited that we now have this data for the future. Uh, it seems like, you know, and I'm very like, I, I wouldn't I count think... on having
2: this data in the future, but it's okay. But, but, it, but I do have, you
3: know, you had now, but you're not sure what we'll happened in the future. All right. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm very interested to see how like, and then there's no way to track this, but how YouTube really kind of cuts into DVR viewership. And I mean that in aspect of moments, right? So CM Punk's promo that obviously did very well on YouTube when he came back. Maybe DVR viewership could have, would have been more up if it wasn't put right out on YouTube and, and all that.
2: I don't you know. know. I I mean, that's the thing that on its surface makes sense. I I don't know how much I really believe that. Like that. Certainly, if there was no YouTube, if we lived in 2004 when YouTube didn't exist, the only way to get video of that stuff if there wasn't internet video it would be through your television and, and DVR has existed in 2004, I guess it would have to be higher. Um, but on the other hand, I think somebody who decides they're going to watch a program on DVR is probably going to watch most of the program. There's as George Barrios um, ta- taught us all uh, there's the lean in experience where maybe, maybe you're watching something on your phone. And then there's the lean back experience where you're going to watch something on your, on your your TV set because you have 2 hours of time here. Um so I'm I'm, I'm kind of skeptical about media cannibalization. I'm sure it's happening to some degree, but I think it's mostly overestimated.
3: All right. Well, we uh, we're going to switch gears. It is a new month, which, which means we have November numbers for Google Trends, Google Trends. Yes. So
2: I threw this together. We're just going to look at the top 24 worldwide and the U S we'll look at, we'll look at personalities first. Um, this will only show us personalities related to WWE and AEW. Uh, I did include new Japan people in this, but nobody from new Japan made, made the top 20. Roman reigns is number one in November by a really wide margin. What's what's 58 divided by 17. Chris Colo? 58 divided by 17 is th- almost three and a half times. So almost so 3.4 X is the answer. Yeah. So Roman Reigns on a worldwide basis, at least according, according to Google trends in its algorithmic wisdom, Roman Reigns 3.4 times greater in web search volume in November than his nearest full-time wrestling peer randy orton in this case and then we have john moxley surging way up with the news of 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 him going to rehab i suppose um john moxley is is the highest ranked uh person uh for AEW. this was you know three times higher than what it usually is for john moxley uh in in this month of november Uh, and then after that we have bray Wyatt. we have some some released wb talents here bray wyatt nia Jax. excuse me Rey Mysterio, The Miz, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, Sasha Banks, and then CM Punk coming in at number 11. Uh, Carmella, Kenny Omega, which was the third uh, AEW personality here. He's higher than he was in the previous month, but comparable to where he was in September. Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, the former WWE talent, Braun Strowman. Adam Page jumping up here in the month of his title win. Uh, Brian Danielson who's well down from where he was when he moved over, but still at number 18 here, Jeff Hardy and Asuka. I didn't include people who I just sort of subjectively, arbitrarily decided were not full-time like John Cena and The Rock. They, They would rank very highly here dwayne and and john cena would probably rank above any of cena and and reigns tend to be neck and neck but the rock is well above anybody here um in the past we've also had bad bunny in here uh the most listened to artist on spotify again this year bad bunny barbers everywhere rejoice um so in the united states it's only slightly different um most notably we have seth rollins at number two when we limit the search results just to the United States. I imagine that's got to do with him being attacked by a fan on Raw. <laughs> so Google Trends differences, especially when we're talking about a small uh relatively small amount of time like a month are not always about name ID. I think generally, especially across a broad period of time, they do tell us something about name ID and perhaps popularity. But in smaller amounts of time, they tend to tell us about who's in the news, whether that's Seth Rollins or whether that's John Moxley here, who's number three in the United States. Um, and then we've got Becky Lynch, The Miz, Sasha Banks, which who notably I, I, I'm always impressed that Sasha Banks is ranked more highly than Charlotte Flair. Um, a, 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 a big talking, should be more of a talking point for Sasha Banks stands out there on Twitter, uh, followed by R- Randy Orton, who is number two, on the worldwide list, but is only number seven on the U.S. list. Uh, so Randy Orton, a big international draw, just like Bret Hart was, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, followed by CM Punk, Charlotte Flair, Rey Mysterio, Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax. Uh, Nia Jax is up this month, in the month of her release. Liv Morgan, who is not on this list, in on the worldwide uh, scope. Carmella, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, who is not on the worldwide top 20. Brian Danielson and then Keith Lee in the month of his release, uh, well above where he's usually at. So there's that
3: Liv Morgan has to do with the push. They've been pushing her really hard on raw. So,
2: so there's that, um, in terms of companies, what's, what's the, uh, the web search volume competition like between WB and AEW. I have here on the screen for people who are watching on video, a line chart, showing the entire timeline that AEW has existed, which is January 2019 through the present, the most recently completed month of November. And we have... Uh, so we're never talking about absolute numbers, unfortunately. When we, when it comes to Google Trends, they do not make absolute numbers available to us. They only give us relative data. So I've done a bunch of stuff with Python uh, to try to enhance the granularity and to, and to allow us to put more than five items on it, on a chart at once. But anyway, the relative values, these are these are relative values. Uh, in November, WWE was at a 219, 219 to AEW's 52. So about four times the search volume WWE had versus AEW, four times the search volume of AEW. Uh, AEW is down by about half from its peak in September, uh, coming off the debut of CM Punk and including the debut of um, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole in September, where they were at 100, and WWE was at 206. So where, where in this month, WWE is four times AEW in September. They were only two times, but that was clearly a peak month where where AEW had exceptional interest because of the debut of new talent, and then it's sort of normalized. Back to where it was in July, uh, equal in fact, according to this, where it was in July. That's worldwide. And the margin, I've actually, I actually don't have United States right here. I'm realizing that these are the exact same chart. So this is not United States. This is worldwide. Um, and, uh, but we can talk about companies and people are probably saying, well, wh- why pick on WB here? Don't you know that all metrics are down for everybody across time? and uh is it really fair to to think that the decline of w web search for whatever that's worth obviously web search does not drive revenue but maybe it is reflective of something meaningful uh isn't it the case for other sports that those other sports leagues are also seeing similar declines like wb is by the way the 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 grand story across the years of w google web search both the united states and and worldwide is is really one of, of consistent decline from 2016 to the present. Uh, if you compare this to other sports leagues, though, and maybe COVID's a factor here. If you compare this to other sports leagues, uh, we do see big dips, for example, for the NBA. Um, big dip during 2020. But, but the NBA surged right back up, and it's, it's at its all-time high here, apparently, so far in 2021. Um, Premier League... At an all time high. So we see a lot of growth here across all these different kinds of sports leagues. Um, across this broad course of time, we even see UFC uh, hold pretty consistently and now has, you know, WWE has fallen to the point where UFC now surpasses WWE. The NHL in this year is surpassing WWE, where, whereas that was not the case until this year. Um, so there's that nascar is, is is the one league that we have on this chart that is still well below wwe um formula one big growth coinciding with the timing of drive to survive the netflix docuseries um see la liga growing in google web search volume uh, the NFL, down in 2020, and now not at the point where it was in 2018, maybe not even 2019, but it's uh, it's here. This is worldwide. So if people are wondering in, in sort of a broader sports conversation, what's the most popular sport in the world, sports league in the world? Uh, Google web search, as we just kind of noted, it's 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 not necessarily equal to popularity, but maybe it tells us something about popularity. And I think it does tell us something about name ID, when it's, looked at in a a, a, over a broad course of time and maybe it's the premier league premier league appears to be by far the most searched for league among the leagues that we're currently looking at maybe i'm forgetting some league here but uh premier league is by a pretty wide margin more pop more i don't want to say popular but has more search volume than any of these other leagues, including the NBA, the Indian Premier League, the cricket league has exploded in Google web search volume from about 2015 and onward. Um, so where it's at number three here, followed by La Liga, the NFL, Formula One, MLB, and even uh, you know WB here was was in uh, in the 2010s above Major League Baseball and has fallen below. Um, again, this is worldwide. Do you have something?
3: Yeah. So also too most of these uh, leagues that you mentioned just recently signed giant TV rights deals and every news source like sports illustrated and ESPN and all that are reporting it. And, you know, people are like, Oh, what is, what is this? What is that? Oh, what is the deal? I, I, I think find that might be, you know, a contributing factor is this year, a lot of these leagues made news other than, Mm -hmm. you know, to the common sports fan, you know?
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely something that that's reflective of big news stories. Um, yeah. I would speculate that a a lot of this this increase, I mean, I, I, this pure this is purely speculation. But I, I would speculate for WWE where we see if people are watching on video, you'll see a a, a, a nice gradual increase from about two thousand and thirteen, and then peaking in two thousand and sixteen for WWE. I would speculate that that's got to do with the W network and. So, you know, a talking point for them right now with Peacock is that we have a wider reach than ever for, for the W Network content, and for the pay-per-view content, which is true. Uh, the the advent of the W Network in 2014, it was, it was introduced in February 2014. Um, this is my personal experience, so maybe I'm just prone to projection here, is that um, people started watching all the pay-per-views. Whereas that was not the experience for a lot of people before the the network came out, right? Maybe they, they saw a few pay per views a year, if that. Uh, maybe they watched the TV and never watched the pay per views. But the pay per views became much more much cheaper to access, um, and you had all the other content. And I I, I took an interest in Russell in in 2014, uh, so that that was my personal experience. And that then the web search volume coincides with that for whatever that's worth that's that's worldwide in the united states if you're wondering what the most searched for leagues are in the united states the nfl is by far number one well not by far it's close to, to nba they're they measure at a relative value of 46 in 2021 the nfl does to the nba's 41 <clears throat> followed by major league baseball all this follows intuitions right that we i perceive the nfl is the most popular sport in the united states by far television viewership bears that out uh the nba is next baseball is after that as far as team sports then i perceive the nhl to be after that but the number four most searched for sports league among these that i've arbitrarily selected here not the nhl not even the premier league with its new tv deal but ufc gradually on the rise here not not as high as it was in the heyday of ronda rousey and conor mcgregor back in 2016 where it was higher than it is now but um but ufc at 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 about a nine whereas the nfl is at a 46 the nba at a 40 uh mlb at a 29 so so far less searched for by about a, a third right yeah about by about a third than baseball major league baseball but ufc is ufc the fourth most popular sports league in the United States, Chris Gallo
3: what are your thoughts? I I I agree, and um, obviously this is an attractable uh, statistic, but just from everyday life, I work with a lot of males, probably between the age of like late twenties to like mid forties, right? And you know, water cooler conversation or whatever, we talk sports a lot. NFL is obviously number one, NBA is number two, and I'd say baseball and UFC are always talked about. And then everything else is kind of briefly talked about that. This matches up. I could tell you from co- conversations with people, UFC gets talked a lot more than the NHL and, and the premier league in just conversations of just guys talking sports.
2: You know? how, how does WB, how does, how does AEW, how does wrestling fare in, in, in your water cooler measurement?
3: There's a couple guys in my office to have, have an interest in wrestling and they come to me and they're like, Hey, did you watch this? Just cause they know my background, but it's, Pro, a very small percentile of the office that actually wants to talk wrestling.
2: Okay. So there's that. I mean, this is, um, again, this is something that I'm going to continue and, and, and it kind of already had been, but I've got it with sort of a more automated way to track this over time. Thanks. Thanks to Python. Um, so there's that, um, <clears throat> a really quick look at, uh, what's, what's been happening lately with live events. Um, WrestleTix, tweeted the averages for uh, the monthly averages for AEW and WWE. Um, WWE, of course, is doing a lot more events than AEW is. Uh, In November, WWE did 21 events, at least 21 events that that WrestleTix covered, which I think is all of them. Uh, 21 events for WWE, 7 events for AEW, so that's three times the events. Uh, In October, 16 to 4, in September 16 to seven, in August 15 to four, in July the first uh, month back on the road, nine to four. But the average attendances, uh, again, the sum, the total t- total attendances, of course, for W would be far higher. They run far more events, but the average average tickets distributed. So this includes comps. This is these are estimates that, that WrestleTix Russell is making based on looking at ticket maps on ticket outlets like Ticketmaster. But uh, November, AEW's average was a little bit higher than WWE's. Uh, This includes house shows for WWE, whereas it doesn't include house shows for AEW. So I want to point out all the caveats. But for what it's worth, uh, AEW averaged just over 6,000 tickets distributed in November to WWE's 5,800. WWE was ahead of AEW in October with 6,500 to AEW's 4800 um but in September uh that is the other month that AEW was ahead September of course included the Arthur Ashe Stadium show and the uh the Newark show which had quite high attendances uh a 9700 average and tickets distributed to WWE's September average of 7800 uh I'm rounding up here to the nearest 100 so there's that. And in, and in July and August, W is well ahead of AEW uh, by multiple thousands. Uh, and this is showing Raw on the road. Uh, just just to note, I think the reason why I put this in the slides is I just wanted to note that. In Long Island, at UBS Arena, the new home of the New York Islanders, tickets distributed according to Russell Ticks was 5,887. 5,887. Uh And the the like-to-like comparison that everyone is watching is Dynamite this coming Wednesday at the same venue, only nine days apart. I think that's the the right number of days. Uh, Again, Raw did 5,887. That's with it being Raw, and uh, they put Roman Reigns in an advertised role. He ended up being in a dark match, but he was advertised. This is with the, uh, the advertised Return of Edge. Discounted tickets. There were many graphics were seen uh, with uh two for one ticket sales and things like that out there for this event for raw at the UBS arena and uh dynamite. This coming Wednesday has tickets distributed of 8,658. So that is nearly 3000 tickets more than, than raw. So well above. Um, and what w- one can infer all sorts of narratives there. If one wanted
3: to. All right. Uh, we'll move on uh, to a article from John Pollock at Post Wrestling. Uh, WWE has postponed four Canadian dates for January 2022, with the shows being moved to later in the year. The company w- was scheduled to host Friday Night SmackDown from the Canada Life Center in Winnipeg, Manitoba on January 21st, followed by live events of Regina and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan that weekend, and then an episode of Raw on January 24th from in Alberta. The four dates have been moved to September and October of 2020. Now, WWE has issued the following statement to Post Wrestling, confirming the changes on new dates. The Friday Night's Backdown Live Venice was scheduled for January 21st, 2022 at Canada Life Center Winnipeg. is being scheduled to Friday, September 30th. The WWE Super Show Live event, scheduled for January 22nd, 2022 at the Brandt Center in Regina, has been rescheduled to Saturday, October 1st. The WWE super show live event scheduled for january 23rd 2022 at the sask tell center and saskatoon has been rescheduled and will now be uh, live on sunday october 2nd and lastly the wb monday night raw live event scheduled for january 24th 2022 at rogers place in edmonton has been rescheduled to monday september 26th tickets are currently on sale through ticketmaster.ca and all originally purchased tickets will be honored for the rescheduled dates So, yeah, there, and uh, we actually have U.S. dates now. Friday, January 22nd, SmackDown will be at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Saturday, January 22nd, it will be a live event at the Corbin Arena in Corbett, Kentucky. Sunday, January 23rd, we will be at the uh, WWE, will be at the Mountain Health Arena in Huntington, West Virginia. And then Monday, January 24th, Raw will be at the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio. I feel like a 1996 version of Superstars. Like, this is where WWE is going to be in your town. Yes.
2: Yes. Thank you. This is Chris Gull from the event center. Um, <laughs> so th- this is a, a, a good job of reporting from John Pollock from our, our friends and, and media partners at post wrestling. Um, let's listen, to John and way talk about this, uh, and in their, in their daily news updates that you can, uh, check out right, right here on YouTube on the post wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, and those, uh, the audio versions of those are on their Patreon as well. Um, it sounds like this is related to concerns about travel to get to Royal Rumble on time, uh, with Royal Rumble happening on a Saturday as opposed to a Sunday. Um, I'm wondering if COVID had anything to do with this. If, if, uh, concerns about the Omicron variant, is that how you say it? The, the new variant of, of COVID mm-hmm. maybe give them some uncertainty about crossing the border. I don't know. Um, but yeah, interesting to note that W not going to um they are still going to Toronto though, right? This is uh this, I think they're going to Toronto in this month of December. I don't know if you can check on that real quick. Because they are coming here to Buffalo uh in late December for a house show December, for their holiday 30th, tour. Yeah. Um
3: Let's see. but there's all that. Yeah, the 29th, they're in Toronto. Okay, there you go. At the Coca-Cola, California. See him, which I wonder if that's what they changed the Rico's name. That's to, got so. it's gotta be. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Um I
2: think uh oh we do have this.
3: Big news from Warner Media. Yep. Yeah, uh and uh, this such a report from uh, Andrew Thompson at Post Wrestling. Roads to the top is coming back for a second season per report. The season finale of Cody and Brandy Rhodes, Roads to the Top Reality Series on TNT, aired on October 23rd. Season one featured six episodes, and according to Figure Four Wrestling Online's Dave Melter, the show has been renewed for a second season. There were no additional details about the reported season renewal. The show premiered in September and took a look at the lives of Brandy and Cody as they were preparing to welcome their daughter Liberty into the world. Cody is also returning as a judge for season two of Go Big Show on TBS. Rhodes headlined this past week's Dynamite in a tag match, and he'll be in action on December 1st when AEW goes live from Duluth, Georgia. A formal announcement has not been made about the renewal of Rhodes to the top. Yes, but
2: according to Dave Meltzer, it has been renewed. Um, so it was, what, six episodes? Pretty short season, which I understand is is normal, uh, especially for unscripted series. Don't call them reality series. Uh, six episodes. Curious to see how long this one will be probably more episodes. And I, I guess they do have, uh, the, no, they already did the birth, right. But anyway, uh, yeah. ratings. For, for, what's that?
3: Oh yeah. now now it's going to be the balance of being parents. And now Brandy's back wrestling. So yes,
2: I'm sure there will be an episode on uh Brandy Rose setting a table on fire. And, uh, Cody Rhodes ongoing, uh, struggle with the audience. To be loved by the audience um ratings for roads to the top were okay, not Blow away um they were okay um so we'll see what these do i imagine i don't know i, I don't I don't imagine that the roads are gonna be, the uh, the ratings are gonna be that much stronger but uh but it's it's something that's probably good enough for for their slot and if I can get these on the screen here not to to use a different display here, but there we go. I'll make this much bigger. We can quickly remind ourselves what the ratings were. Uh, Some of these were on Wednesday night, right after dynamite. Some of these were on Saturday night uh, for the uh, October preemptions, but uh, 422,000 viewers, 443, 295, 340, 309. Uh, As a, as a demo rating, that was total viewership. In the in the demo they did anywhere between .11 and .19. So kind of uh NXT level numbers, I guess. Those are in the range of what NXT has been doing or maybe a little bit lower. Uh NXT has been doing about a .15 lately in the demo for for some context.
0: All
3: right. And uh we'll move on to uh this is some fast national news here. Uh only yeah, fast yeah, yeah. affiliates this week, as far
2: as I know, yeah. nobody has reported fast nationals for Rampage. Yep, you know, I've got, I've got a blank here. We just
3: have SmackDown news. Yes. Yep. Preliminary uh, for SmackDown last night measured at one point nine six six million, according to Spoiler TV. Nearly identical to last week's prelim. Uh, final last week, though, was higher than usual relative to prelim. Uh, expect final rating report on Monday around two point oh five million to two point fifteen million. That is your estimate, Brandon.
2: Yes. So very similar number to last week. This week did have Brock Lesnar. Do you think maybe Brock Lesnar would pop a rating? Was there competition that was offsetting any increase that maybe a Brock Lesnar appearance would provide? I don't know. Then again, Brock Lesnar hasn't exactly been absent from TV for months and months. He's been on TV fairly recently, but not in the last week or two, right? He's been suspended, of course, right? That's the angle uh, with Adam Pearce. But uh, normal rating for SmackDown, it appears. We'll get the file number, of course, on Monday, tomorrow, as we record this. Uh... Yeah, I don't read too much into it, but but ratings holding up. Uh, at a time when, as I've I've talked about this on Thursday, at a time when, uh, AEW Dynamite ratings and and Rampage ratings, uh. Sp- are on the decline. Uh, Some of that in in Dynamite's case is because of the West Coast thing that's happening because NHL games are now airing at 10 PM Eastern and those games have to air live. So Dynamite has been airing live on the West Coast, which means it airs earlier than prime time. Nonetheless, this past Wednesday's rating for Dynamite, this wasn't the first time that was happening. This was roughly the fourth time that was that West Coast feed thing was happening. Uh, And the rating was down from, those recent weeks so uh something happening and 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 rampage hasn't exactly exactly been doing great numbers either um something happening with AEW ratings lately not sure what
3: um before we wrap up we do just have a couple youtube questions uh that were here there was a question or well a couple questions there was a question on youtube actually do they actually know how many unique views are in the count versus just counting clicks I would think that this is the most important info. So, you know, when people are clicking on YouTube, videos, yeah. it's not just actually like somebody clicking it a bunch of times.
2: I mean, I, mean, I would think... Views. What's the replay value? I, I, I don't think that the that there would be a huge difference between unique clicks, unique people and views. And even if there is a big difference, the value here for YouTube and for the content creators on YouTube um, is impressions, right? So even if, and I hope people do, even if you watch WrestleNomics live WrestleNomics radio five times today, which you should, um, you're still seeing the full serving of ads each time, right? So that's still and you're seeing different ads probably every time. Maybe you're seeing some of them uh, again reinforcing the ad message, but um, as far as that value, um, even if you rewatch something, I think there's a, a an added value economically. Um, I saw some, someone had an, a question about streaming too, which, which I was, is a, which that is a was common the question. question. I was going to say it, it um, what, that question was. Oh, go ahead. It depends on what you mean by streaming. If you're, I, I, I I'm assuming that what's being asked about here is weekly TV streaming. Um, yeah. So. If by streaming you mean live TV streaming, which here's the jargon, VMVPDs, virtual MVPDs, which are things like sling, Hulu live TV, not to be confused with Hulu in general, but Hulu live TV, YouTube TV, these you know these these streaming services that offer live access to to traditional TV channels just like a normal cable system would um, those are counted in Nielsen. Those are counted in Nielsen. Um, what's not counted in Nielsen is if you watch Raw, SmackDown on Hulu the next day. That's not counted. AEW has no analog to that. Um, Impact has no analog to that.
3: Are the network apps counted? What I mean by that is if you watch the TNT app on Roku or the USA app on Roku or the Fox app, like on a Roku, Amazon.
2: If you're the- watching yeah. live, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Is- question is is there an ability to watch those things on delayed viewing
3: on those apps keep yourself i have not frame. seen it keep yourself in the frame chris yeah oh sorry i i i have not seen it <laughs> uh like i will actually you know watch uh raw on usa app uh aw tnt app but live fox i yeah live yeah, yeah i watch think those are counted those live i don't think there is any i don't think you can watch those on demand i haven't found them on demand I, so I tell you, I think the next day TNT does offer AEW, but I wouldn't be able to do it like in a couple hours after it air Dynamite or Rampage. OK, um,
2: I think the live viewing through the apps is counted. I think this is something we tried to find out when Nikon made a comment to Forbes saying, well, the, the viewership on the Fox app that people are using isn't counted, which which when looking into it doesn't seem to be the case uh i think that i think that viewership is counted because i if you look at the fox app at least at the time several months ago when we looked into this the fox app at least if you look in like the about section of the app tells you that um this may be recorded by nielsen something like that um i don't know about the tnt app um if chris harrington is still in the chat maybe he can uh, maybe he knows but uh yeah
3: um so i there's another streaming question what about the on-demand version of Dynamite offered by Sling uh, and uh, not, and not off my Sling DVR? So, I'm I'm sorry, missed that, say again. So, so like if you watch the on-demand version of Dynamite on on Sling, so yeah. I think would that's, that count on the DVRs. I think that's DVR.
2: I believe that that's DVR. I, I my I don't know this for certain, but I strongly expect that. Anything that is through a virtual MVPD is being counted by Nielsen, just like it would if you were watching it through a traditional MVPD cable or satellite. Uh,
3: another question here: uh, AEW's deal with TNT uh, is "Roads to the Top" added uh, in separately to the deal or part of the deal as a whole?
2: I don't know for certain, but I would s- strongly expect that that "Roads to the Top" is a separate additional. They are. I would. I. I believe that. AW is being compensated separately and additionally for Roads to the Top, just like WWE would be for Ms. and Mrs. and when those TV shows existed, Total Divas and Total Bellas.
3: All right. I think that's uh, what we have for questions there. So, some very, very good questions this week. Very positive, very positive chat room. Oh, I wonder, wonderful. By the way, as well <laughs> today. Good, good. Chris Gull, you now have moderator
2: controls. Yes. You have the ability. Didn't have to use them at all today. <laughs> Wonderful. People are in a much better mood in the morning than they are in the evening after, uh, after uh, the TV ratings come out. Someone is texting me saying that RTTT is separate. I'm guessing that means app replay. Um, yeah. Uh, also in the chat, Chris Harrington raises a, a good point that YouTube revenue is correlated to watch time the time that you spend watching a video, not the number of views, which I can, I can tell you, as someone who has a YouTube channel that is generating some revenue, uh, that that's definitely what I experience. Um, so that's all, uh, right? Uh, hit the like button mm-hmm. if you like it. Uh, share, share this video, share our content with people. We would really appreciate that. Hit the subscribe button to subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, Nomics now has a uh R R T T T T does not stand for replay viewing on apps that ref- that that refers to um roads to the top uh which is oh. a, which is a separate deal for for AEW on Discord there is a wrestlenomics channel on the post wrestling discord a newly created freshly created wrestlenomics channel that uh, you can interact with me there i'm i'm posting graphs and charts and facts uh if there's you know something in the uh, wrestling business news or media business news world that you would like to share with with others and discuss or share with me or interact with me uh go to the post wrestling discord if you're familiar with discord i think if you just search for post wrestling in your discord app you will you'll will find it and you'll find the wrestleomics channel within the post wrestling discord so check that out um and uh, live TV ratings talk is every Thursday evening 5.30 p.m. Eastern where we talk about the latest TV ratings and at all these other times uh, across the rest of the world and uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon patreon.com slash WrestleNomics where you get access to all of my almost daily TV ratings reports you get access to the massive WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet where you get to see the data for yourself and do whatever you want with it Download it as a CSV whatever you wish you get access to the uh, audio of the live TV ratings talk as well. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to, too. But what plugs do you have? Chris
3: Um, Just, you know, the the usual Chris Gullo, Instagram, you know, Facebook, Twitter, but uh, RTI pod. uh, If you haven't binged the NWA episodes, because we have a new episode coming later this month here. uh, And it's going to be the ring of honor, CCW angle, uh, ring of honor versus CCW. And I'm very, uh, interested and uh, very excited to mm-hmm. cover that on our uh, rediscovery Indies later this month. And other than that, um, I'm pretty much gonna enjoy the holidays as far as a uh announcing schedule. I do have one more show this Saturday, but that is part of a music festival and, and everything that's already sold out. So, other than that, uh, it's gonna be a rest and relaxation until January as far as the ring announcing schedule. So,
2: standing, I have a couple weeks off coming up, uh, from, from my day job, so uh. Maybe I'll be able to uh, be even more active with some of the data collection that I've been doing. But, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics. You can go to WrestleNomics.com and see all sorts of data and resources and articles that uh, Jason Umpresser is writing up. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks to the Post Wrestling Podcast Network and the, and the entire Post Wrestling family for always supporting us and uh, being a fantastic media business partner which they they have been. New merchandise might be coming soon. More on that to come. There's a teaser. Um, Yeah, that's all. Thank you all for listening and watching, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation,